Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to connect Black, Brown, and Indigenous women who are interested in sustainability. Our goal is to inspire, encourage, and educate each other. From gardening, to thrifting, to minimalism, to veganism, and everywhere in between. We are all on a journey to taking care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. On this podcast, we talk a lot about making individual lifestyle changes to be more sustainable, such as quitting plastic, thrifting, changing our beauty routines. And while that's great and we should all do what we can to reduce our environmental impact, sometimes I feel like it's not enough. The things that are going to make the biggest difference are going to require policy changes within the government. Because as we all know, corporations are the biggest contributors to climate change, not individuals. So I'm so excited for today's episode. Today's featured sustainable brown girl is Raya Salter, an energy and climate justice lawyer. Raya is a member of the New York State Climate Action Council, the body that is developing the plan to implement the United States leading climate law. She is also the policy organizer for New York Renews and editor of Energy Justice. In this episode, we'll learn about how Raya got her start in the climate justice field, as well as how racism and climate justice are intertwined, and we'll learn how we can all make a difference in the movement. Thanks so much for joining us today, Raya. Thank you! So let's just start at the beginning. Tell us about your sustainable journey and how you became interested in climate activism. Well, thank you so much. And I also want to say that was so exciting to be introduced as a sustainable brown girl. I am. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, And I guess I'll I guess I'll say I've always been a uh, someone who considered myself to be an activist um, for racial justice, for social justice. Um, And as I uh, went to law school and started learning about infrastructure and learning about climate change, I knew that I had to get involved in um, climate justice because of the threat that climate crisis poses to um, black and brown people specifically as a a Mm -hmm. real threat to, to everything that we are and ever have been, which even eclipses when I had this realization that of everything that we have been through as a people, I'm a black American, uh, slavery and all that we have been through, what the climate crisis represents to me is even it's, it's, it's even more than what we've already come out of. And that's not acceptable. And that, that is why I realized I had to focus on this. Yeah, definitely. So how would you say that race and climate justice are intertwined? Racial justice is climate justice. And anybody who claims to be a climate activist and they're not a racial or social justice activist doesn't understand what climate justice is. The climate justice principle is those who have caused climate crisis um, are, are are going to experience it later and the least those who have done the least to cause climate crisis are going to experience its impacts first and worst. And that is us. We know this now. 
we understand through COVID in particular how um, health disparities and um, the proximity to pollution, uh, emissions, co-pollutants, and other poisons um, increase vulnerabilities. We This has laid this bare. Climate justice is racial justice, and anyone who says it isn't doesn't know what climate justice is. Yeah. What are some ways that people in America um, are uh, experiencing climate racism right now? That is an excellent question. And there are so many, there's so many meets and bounds to, to, you know, to what we, when we talk about climate racism that we could be talking about, because we can talk about environmental justice, the legacy impacts of energy um, and other systems that have a disproportionate impacts on black and indigenous people and other people of color. I, something I like to focus on, I'm going to maybe take a slightly different tack right now, the failure to prepare for climate crisis and the failure to address climate crisis, even though we know it is here and it has this disproportionate impact to me Mm -hmm. is what I'm most focused on right now. So everybody you're in Houston, you're in Puerto Rico, you're in Hawaii, you're in New York, we're about to experience this terrible hurricane season. We mm-hmm. are left bare and unprepared as these, um, as it, and it, it's negligence um, in, in my view. And, and that to me is, is something I'm focused on now. What are some policies that should be implemented? Like, you know, first and foremost, what are the types of policies that most are, that are most needed to help counteract climate change? I would say one, I mean, there's clearly this is, as we know, this is an intersectional issue. So it is, and it's one of the, it's the biggest existential issue of our time. So it involves the energy system, which is, is the, you know, pa- electricity and power, but also transportation, also agriculture. And we've got to be, do work on sustainability as well in terms of, of waste, et cetera. So Um, There's a lot, but I can tell you from my perspective, the things that I would like to see um, to start. And one of them is, is we, you know, throughout the country, throughout the world, and I have advocated for them as well. We have these renewable portfolio standards, right? These these goals that we set in New York, 100% renewable energy um, by 2040, 100% net zero of all carbon from all human caused sources by 2050, Fantastic. Mm-hmm. California, Hawaii. We need to have the same dedication to resilience. We need to be looking at resilience and climate justice in terms of the particulars of how we need to prepare and what needs to be done has to be elevated um, at least to the level of, of climate standards. So that's that's just one of the things. Another piece that, and, and I'll stop, but another piece because I'm an um, energy and utilities lawyer it's just the low-hanging fruit at this point, which is actually shoring up critical facility, all of our critical facilities and our critical neighborhood assets with clean um, and resilient local power. You know, because this, you know, what happens when we lose electricity um, in the context of these extreme weather events is not okay. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of things we need to do. We need to reform FEMA. I mean, there's insurance. There's so much we need to do. But those are just sort of the tip of the icebergs that I'll mention. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I it just feels like I agree that there's so much to do and it's like where do you even start? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, when I'm watching the news, I see 
you know, people like Bernie Sanders and AOC mm-hmm. who were advocating for the Green New Deal, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. so many other, uh, po- you know, policymakers just aren't coming along with it. Why do you mm-hmm. think that is? We have this very unfortunately, climate has become a political issue. And it's mm-hmm. not new, but it's a political issue, of course. This seems to have just really increased in the past five to 10 years. I mean, look, things have gotten so bad that wearing a mask in this pandemic is a political issue. So yeah. the, the, the distortion that I believe and is caused by racism mm-hmm. <laughs> and white yeah. supremacy that works against basic self-interest it's that to me is that as one absolutely one of the root causes of why we have these schisms in our body politic about these issues that we should be united on. It's wildly unfortunate. That's just, you know, there are probably a lot of deeper reasons and a political scientist will tell you more, but that's, that's my first take. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. Let's back up a little bit. How, how did you get started into, you may have, answered this earlier, but how did you get started with the energy and justice um, department? And what does it mean to be an energy and climate justice lawyer? I am glad that you asked that because the truth is, and I want everybody who cares about this in particular, and and if you are somebody, and I encourage you, reach out to your girl. If you're Mm -hmm. somebody in particular for energy and utilities, say you're interested in, (laughs) frankly, accounting, (laughs) engineering, (laughs) law, technology, um, and you're, you know, you're interested in the sort of like energy and utilities field, I encourage you, um, certainly encourage you to get engaged. And there is an incredible, I I don't, I don't even like to say the word diversity anymore. There, uh, there is an anti-blackness in this field as there are in many fields. Um, And it is very, very, so I, I want folks to be eyes open about energy, environmentalism in general, in terms of careers, because there is an anti-blackness um, and lack of representation problem. So I'm, I'm going to say that it, it can be challenging because I am so proud that to when I hear you say I'm an energy justice lawyer, I'm a climate justice lawyer, I am so proud that we've pushed so far that that's a thing. Yeah. And that's literally what it's taken in my, in my estimation, uh, getting in this field and just continuing and that's I feel like most most of us do let's be honest we we care about justice because this is our lived experience this is our personal family struggle you know mm-hmm. people don't understand what it means to come out with a, even a high school diploma college diploma a PhD it's you know it is a world we are the we are the hope and the dream of the slave what it took to get just one of us educated in this country Yes. So we work, walk forward and we get in these corporations and we try and make our work relevant to, to the justice issues we care about. And I feel like that's what I had to do. And, and, and the more that I can reach out to other people, to people like yourself, the more we can build our power, the more we build this movement, the more it becomes a thing. The more the funders say, oh, we need to make it so there's if we're going to make an attorney position at wherever earth justice, it should be focused on justice issues. You know, so so I guess that's what I would say. We need to continue to 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 just like Black Lives Matter had to had to be said until it could 
finally it's said, right? It's a thing. Yes. Nobody doesn't think that's a thing. That's what we have to do together. I don't mean that to be discouraging. I want to encourage people, but I do feel like that's what I had to do um, and we had to do to make this a thing. And that's what our forebears, civil rights folks, whoever, that's what they had to do too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, just having more people of color and mm -hmm. just infiltrate every, yes. every, every, everything, you yes. know, definitely. <laughs> I kid, but I don't. I mean it. I mean it. You're right. All right. So let's talk about your role at New York Renews and what's going on with New York State in regards to climate justice. Well, good news in that, uh, New York State last year passed the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, the nation's most ambitious climate law and the only law that has actual climate, real climate justice provisions in it. So, and this was powered, and this is like I like to tell people about, this was powered by activists. A lot of things came together to get this law together, to, you know, to get it signed by the governor. Obviously, the governor had to want it, and he did, so he signed it. But activists rose up and got these justice provisions in this law. So that's why I like talking about it, because I want you and your friends to do this <laughs> in every mm -hmm. state. Um, what, uh, so I'll, I'll just, uh, I guess, a few more things. It matters what happens in the states, because this is when the federal government starts paying attention, which they're not right now, and hopefully they will. They're going to look to these state examples, which has already started happening. I'll get to that in a second. So what did New York do? So first of all, first in the nation in terms of 100% renewable energy from all human, 100%, uh, sorry, net zero carbon emissions from all sectors of the economy. There's no state wow. goal like that. And our 2040 renewable electricity goal is actually intentionally beating out California and Hawaii. So it's also the number one goal. <laughs> There's a piece of that going on. That was purposeful. Um, but what it also has is some key provisions. I won't, there are enough of them that I can't go through all of them right now. But the one that, the ones that I'll, I'll raise is that uh, a goal of 40% and no less than 35% of all the state's climate investments, all of them, um, jobs, job training, um, infrastructure, energy must be, must benefit quote unquote disadvantaged communities. So there's mm -hmm. some legal parsing I could do there, but for the, for the top level, uh, we are supposed to be reinvesting and redirecting these funds, which means billions of dollars into disadvantaged communities, which are climate and environmental justice communities, which are black and indigenous and brown communities. Uh, and also prioritizing emissions reductions in these same communities. So I'll stop because I, I won't make this like a legal treatise about the whole law, but there's good stuff in there. And that New York Renews powered, we're the activists that came up and said, this law must have this. And now we're running around in these, you know, public service commission dockets and where these different agencies are meeting and saying, hey, 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 you, <laughs> you have to make sure that this 35% happens and that these emissions reductions are prioritized and there's no harm to disadvantaged communities because we have to make it real. Oh, last thing, Biden, the uh, Joe Biden plan um, in their environmental justice plan specifically called out the New York state law and this, and also adopted that same provision about the investment mandate. So that's wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Wow. So how has the 
um, response been to New York Renews from, you know, most of the policymakers? <laughs> you know, what is special about New York Renews, we are a coalition and it's so interesting. Like we are a coalition of over 200 groups, um, but we really are a coalition. We're run as a coalition and the idea is that we're accountable to under the Hamez principles that, uh, of, of um, organizing, which I would encourage folks to look at. Maybe we can even link to them in the show notes. We sure. are, we, I mean, we aspire, but we, <laughs> we are accountable to um, grassroots based building organizations. So we are unique in that we have this policy power, but we have grassroots power and we show up and show out. Um, it's been frustrating right now because of, because of this pandemic, it's made some of our typical gatherings, as we all know, hasn't stopped people. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. more challenging to, to get out there in the streets. But, you know, I think that there's a, it, there's a certain amount of accountability that we're able to um, apply to our policymakers, you know, a certain amount in terms yeah. of, you know, they, they listen because we can show up and show out as we've learned, showing up and showing out is critical. Absolutely. So as a person that lives in Georgia, which is extremely red state where, you know, there's climate deniers and whatnot, I feel like it's difficult, you know, or just impossible even to even make a difference with the, you know, elected officials in my state. So what is something that I could do and other people can do to help push you know, their policymakers into the right direction with climate change? Well, I hear you and feel you because I know, and, and just, and again, it's a big, big issue, but yeah, Georgia Power is, 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 is not an easy entity. There are people who do this advocacy. So one thing, what I, what I always say though, is, is do our best to get in community however we can um, at this time. So uh, and, and if you like, I can dig up because there's certainly um, folks in your area who are doing the energy and utilities work and are doing this advocacy who, you know, who you can get in community with. But even beyond that, you know, even if it is Twitter, even you look up hashtag energy Twitter, black Twitter, mm-hmm. climate Twitter, follow the people who um, are in this movement. Folks like Dr. Rob Bob Bullard, father of environmental justice is on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people are on Twitter, as are some of the folks at the Public Service Commission, or I think it's that, forget the name of the commission in, in Georgia. Some I've seen some threads. Folks are on Twitter. So social media in this age of pandemic really is, I think, something that's valuable, as is some of these Zoom calls. So I would say get in community is the first thing I would say. And you get building our own power. Building our own power. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen how how coming together around these issues in an intersectional way has moved the dial, you know, on things that never seemed touchable. In New York, we passed a slate of, um, of police reform measures that you couldn't even talk about, you know. Wow. Part of it too yeah. is, is pushing for that and building bridges intersectionally and, and pushing for accountability. So if, if, if we've got this racial justice piece, we get in community with those of us who care about this sustainability, be it, zero waste, be it energy. And we form our own little committee. Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter has, ha, is taking an intersectional um, climate lens with their work. I, you oh. know, I've been on calls with them. We can, we have to build this for in our own movements for ourselves and change this narrative. 
Okay. Wow. I didn't know that mm-hmm. Black Lives yeah. Matter was doing climate things too. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so important. Just as you hear me say, I say this all the time about building our power, young people and black and indigenous people of color and all brown people. Um, we need to step forward and not ask for permission in this space. We need to center ourselves. We need to reclaim and redirect these narratives for ourselves. And I want to encourage especially young folks to do that um, and not feel that they need to ask permission. And it's hard because, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, people are looking at you, you know, do you even know what you're talking about? So what? This is a movement that belongs to the young. However, Mm -hmm. I do ask that people, you know, try and be smart, get in community, learn up on things, figure out who are the folks who come before you on these issues and support them. Uh, And, you know, try and touch base with the movement itself um, and understand what's going on there. Because these are the, the, the shoulders that we, we are standing on, you know, people like, you know, Peggy Shepard, who started We Act for Environmental Justice, you know, Dr. Bob Bullard, on and on and on. There are other folks all throughout this country um, and this nation and the colonies, et cetera. Um, so I truly ask, stand up and don't ask for permission, all youth activists, uh, black and brown activists on this topic. And Think about what it means to do this work intergenerationally. Think about those who have come before. Think about who is in the space already, who has been erased because they, you know, experts who whose voices are trying to be elevated and haven't been because of racism, you know, as you go forward with all of your great social media abilities and success. Yeah, it is. I mean, especially like you said, in this day and age where we do have social media and it's so easy mm-hmm. to have your voice heard far and wide. Um, you know, we just need to use that platform in the best ways possible. That's right. And it's interesting. This is something I've noticed um, because there's so many people like yourself who are, you know, grabbing a hold of these platforms and getting, you know, audiences and getting words out. A lot of times, some of the grassroots like groups that do this work, like even New York News, <laughs> we, you know, we may or may not even know how to do that, or we may be fledgling, or we, part of it is that we don't get funded. Mm-hmm. So, groups like um, Sierra Club or NRDC um, or Environmental Defense Fund, both of which I used to work for, both of those groups have uh, budgets of yearly budgets of like two hundred fifty million dollars and $135 million, respectively. Um, and wow. New York News have like barely a million dollars, and that's huge. <gasps> wow. There's a reason why this narrative is told a certain way, because we aren't able to tell it and center ourselves. Um, so just be cognizant, um, our wonderful influencers, of um, the activists who are trying to get these messages out. And so, like I said, I'm not saying ask permission and I'm not saying don't do it because I don't care who tells you not to do it. I don't care if the icon of the icons floats down from, uh, you know, from a dream and says, stop advocating for that. I'm the one and you don't know what you're talking about. No, I don't care who tells you, you still do it. But (laughs) be mindful (laughs) of these dynamics and, and what's happening because there's a reason why we don't, why, why this narrative isn't told in a way that centers us because we do not, Sierra Club will get and this is not to pick on Sierra Club, who has a lot of fantastic individuals in it, many of who are people of color who are striving mightily to get this done. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But 
they may get $5 million, $10 million to do an ad campaign. Okay. Wow. And, and so that's how they'll do. And they've done great work beyond coal. They have shut coal plants down. Okay. You know, so yes, fantastic. But has React for Environmental Justice ever gotten a $5 million grant, much less $5 million just a message to Black people and Indigenous people about environmental harm in community? And No. Have they been able to flood the airwaves and flood billboards with these messages? Nope. So there's a reason why these narratives are told the way they're told, and a lot of it comes back to money. Yeah. And so it's just, and I'm not trying to put that, it's not, that's what I mean. It's not your responsibility as an influencer, but it's, it's important to know that, that there's, you know, there's, there's an infrastructure here. Um, and, 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 but we got to change this game, right? Yes, absolutely. And it, it really does feel like it is changing. Um, like you said, within the past, you know, five or 10 years, even even in the past three or four years, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of people of color who are, you know, trying to become policymakers and, mm-hmm. you know, younger people who are more interested in it. And I think that that's definitely paving the way for, you know, the younger generations to also get involved. And that that is right. And here's the thing, too. That's why this intergenerational piece is so important because there's always been this focus in nonprofits on the youth, rightly. Where mm-hmm. are the pathways to sustaining careers? Do you see what I'm saying? Like very rarely do you see, you know, do you, it, it's always like, oh, we're going to give you an internship and isn't it, we're doing you a favor mm-hmm. because we're giving you an internship at like XYZ company. Meanwhile, you're not, they're not doing you a favor. Plus, what is happening to make sure that you have a lasting career, positive, impactful career in this area? And there are many of us, like say myself, who've been in this game for a minute, who are out here wanting to to also have impact and pave this road and make sure that you get a long run stretch down it. So that's yes. all. the other thing that I will also say that's real important is a focus on resilience. It's hurricane season. COVID is upon us, of course, when Katrina, when the Katrina hits, when the next, um, uh, you know, we saw what happened when Katrina hit. For New York area, it was Hurricane Sandy. Mm -hmm. The the next storm, right now we've got storms landing in Hawaii and um, Texas. It changes everything. We're not ready and we need to, and we can't, and it also, it, it shifts conversation. So we have to be ready for both um, demanding accountability and what we need and also not letting our narratives once again get lifted, you know, when these, when these disasters strike because they are coming. Yes, they are. And the one, the hurricane that was, uh, I think it was a Dorian last year mm. that was in the Bahamas and just sat there. You remember that? Mm-hmm. It just sat there for like a day and it's just like, you can see, you can see how climate change is already, you know, taking effect before our eyes, you know, in the past five or 10 years, like you just see how, how much they're getting worse and worse and worse. And it's scary. It's very scary. And because it used to be, and this has happened in the science, it used to be say 10 years ago or even 15, we'd say, uh, we can't say with any confidence that any particular weather event is the, uh, outcome of climate change. That's not true anymore. No, the science has moved. We know in particular, I was living in Hawaii, which is another 
you know, a frontline um, place, um, we know that the warming temperatures, that the uh, we the factors that contribute to why the islands are in peril for hurricanes in ways they weren't, they didn't used to be. We know mm-hmm. that that's climate change, and this is coming for us. It's coming for our Caribbean. It's yep. coming for our coastal communities. It's coming for our 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 people, our children, our future. It is wants to erase our culture, yeah. everything, and and. And that's why this narrative, we have to snatch it because we care about this. We, the, no, we're the ones who, who tell the entire world, that's our history. That's our, in this country, that's what we've done. You know, us, the displaced Africans, we've inspired mm-hmm. the entire world to care about justice. And this is, we, this narrative belongs to us. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's what we need to um, continue because it's coming for, it's coming for us. Yes. Thank you so much, Raya. That is, it, it, it's so inspiring to hear you talk about this. And it really makes me want to go out and talk to my policymakers and make yeah. some changes and form groups so that we can really go out there and make a difference. Yes. Yes. Intersectionally. Let's talk to ourselves in and amongst ourselves in our movements. And, and there's Absolutely. support for that. And I can, I can send some uh, like links to what, like the Black Lives Matter, or the, you know, I can send some follow-up links and whatnot um, if, if you have them in your show notes. Let's talk in and amongst ourselves about why this is important and build our own power in our own movements in an intersectional way. That's a really good place to start in addition to shouting down these Babylon, sorry, these <laughs> down. So what is one thing that anyone can do to be more sustainable? You know, it's funny. My favorite thing is uh, bottled water is trash. Bottled water is trash. I feel like <laughs> it's usually one of the first things I say because it's so true. And there are real deep cultural and other issues of why we don't trust some of our tap water and some of those are legitimate. Um, but uh, the the whole thing behind bottled water in terms of what it's doing in terms of plastic waste and in terms of harming our water system, uh, when many of us, you know, be it because for our own filtration or just from our tap, can't just drink it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, you'll see on IG um, and YouTube, I make videos about this stuff too. So, Oh, but awesome. You could look, I have a, a stop drink with bottled water video. That was my number one tip. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, I definitely agree. It's one of the easiest changes yeah. too that people can make. You get used to carrying a bottle around. Mm-hmm. Mess around and buy the um. I'm sorry. I did a whole video on the um on uh the Berkey um water filtration system. You can have a sport bottle that you could literally dip your bottle in a stream on a jog and drink from that bottle and be fine. It and it's only wow. three bucks. So there's a lot of wow. There's a lot of narrative shifting. I would say the water bottle, but the but before even that, it's just um. Just the, opening our eyes um, to to the fact that this is this is our narrative that this is real that we have power in this space and and that's and you before um, Mr. Floyd was murdered you would have probably heard me speaking in more in more muted tones but mm-hmm. he didn't die so that I couldn't say pro black he didn't die yes. so I couldn't say these things so I I am being vocal about these things yes thank you so much. You're I love so it. Welcome. You are so welcome. Keep on keeping on, sis. 
Keep on keeping on. Keep on keep 10 years ago. I was in a big law firm in a suit with my hair ironed down to to a teeny mm. flatness, afraid to even let one little spring of curl go up, much less mm-hmm. say pro black. Pro mm-hmm. Okay. Now I know we're gonna put some links down below, but tell everyone where they can find you online. Oh yes. So my website is um riasalter.com. You can find me at Green Girl Magic on Instagram. I'm Earth to Raya on Twitter and Raya Salter on YouTube. Oh, actually, and if you like ASMR, I have started an ASMR channel as well, which is Sweet Soul Whisper. And it's about um, energy and climate with the idea of we can relax when we talk about these things. Wow. Yes, I will be there. That is <laughs> who to thunk it. I love it. Right? <laughs> yep. Me, I thought it. <laughs> I just me out here. This is my life isn't about building some curated manicured career. We're trying to do these things. We're trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you're obviously out there doing things. And <laughs> I I hope that you continue and keep changing people's minds and pushing these policies too, and inspiring sis. other people to do the same. You too, sis. You too. Thanks so much for joining us. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share it if you loved it and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram at Sustainable Brown Girl and check out our Facebook community. We would love to have you there. Until next time, let's continue to make healthy choices for the health of our planet and the health of our bodies. Thanks for listening.